0: Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today, and now here is today's podcast. So today, I want to talk to you real quick about spiritual hydration. Can you bring that picture up? This is another commercial. Hold on. I saw this picture... And it reminded me something during the pandemic, as your pastor calls it, which I agree with him. <laughs> during that time, my family was invited to Hawaii for a mission trip. How many of you like to go to Hawaii for a mission trip? Amen? Anybody feel called? OK. Well, we have friends who uh, how many of you have heard of Lou Engel? Anybody heard of Lou Engle? Okay. He's a very well-known revivalist intercessor in the USA, has led ministries called The Call and The Send. So you may have seen those things online, big gatherings and all that. Anyhow, my friends used to work with Lou Engle for 15 years. They were his prayer coordinators. And like Lou Engle would probably fast and pray a 40-day fasting at least twice a year. And this guy is, when you hear him speak, he sounds like you would think John the Baptist how he would sound. I mean, just so, you know, authoritative and powerful. And so we went to be with this couple, their family, for one month on the big island, which is the southernmost island of the Hawaiian islands. And we were in a Little little town called Naalehu, and actually there are many Filipinos there. And so when I told them we live in the Philippines and live in Davao, you know, you should see their faces; they love it. And and so you know, we we're reaching out an area, and we were teaching at their school of ministry. So just a half-hour drive from their place is the most active volcano in the world. It's called Mount Kilauea. And this, this volcano is, it's constantly going. And they have earthquakes, and when they have earthquakes, they get very concerned that things could change. Not for like a big explosion, because actually the lava is always flowing. But it is a concern that You know, there could be breaks in the ground which could be as wide as this room suddenly and then you can't drive your car there anymore. (laughs) And so we went to visit. You can go see the volcano. You can actually look in the crater and stuff. So there's one active crater and there's another crater that is... Not as active, although you can't see the lava underneath. But you can walk through it, and it looks exactly like this. Like picture, like that rock looking like a hardened lava. And in the midst of, as we went down the middle of the night, we had our kids and my wife and another couple, and they said, "Oh, it's totally safe. Go." down in the crater and you can walk across. The crater's huge. I mean, it's just so big. It's, It's probably as big as the college right here, the campus. I mean, it's very, very, very big. And so if you walk from one side to another, it's gonna take a while. So we walked in it, and it was in the late afternoon, and as we got down, it started to get a little dark. And there's no lights around there, and we had no flashlights, I had my iPhone flashlight. And we're walking through an old volcanic crater, who was created by the Creator. (laughs) And as you're going, you have to stay in the middle. Because if you go too far, some of the ground is unstable. And if you go down there, if you're not right with God, you'll go see the devil. And if you are right with God, you'll wave to the devil as you go to see Jesus, okay? And and so we're walking, and it's dark now, and I'm thinking, oh boy, why did we go here at nighttime? Not the wisest thing to do. But as we're going, we come to a bush in the middle of the uh, crater, That was just standing there, flourishing. And it was green. It was beautiful. And it really spoke to me. And I I called it the burning bush. (laughs) But I really, when I saw this picture this morning, it reminded me of that. And I felt like the Lord was saying that this church is a burning bush, it's a voice in the wilderness. There is a sound that is coming from your lives, from your worship, from you sowing seeds of evangelism and and whatever type of outreach that you have, no matter where you are in school, in business, at home. It doesn't matter. But there is something that is causing people in this area to turn aside and say, Why is that burning? Why is that bush on fire, but it doesn't burn up? You remember Moses' encounter. I think it's Exodus 3. I actually wrote a devotional called How to Become a Burning Bush. I wrote it uh, last year and actually we'll have it available at the conference. But I want to encourage you as a church to keep doing what you're doing. To keep pursuing. Don't stop and surrendering. Don't Don't give in to the ridiculous things that sometimes other churches get involved with. Give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to worship. Give yourself to, I'm talking about personal and corporate. Give yourself to personal evangelism because I'm telling you, you may not realize the type of influence that you're having. Maybe some of you do. Maybe you see God changing people's lives and extending His kingdom. But I believe that if Mindanao is going to be taken, it's not by people who are going to just stay in Davao City. And your church is an extension of the kingdom of God that I believe is, is moving powerfully. So I wanted to share that because it really just reminded me of that moment And I believe that's who you guys are. Amen. I want to talk to you today about spiritual dehydration. How many of you know what dehydration is? Being dehydrated, yes? Raise your hand if you know. Okay, some of you are looking at me and not sure what I'm saying. So I want you to grab your nose like this. Okay, everybody. And say, I... Will not have a nosebleed. Amen. Okay. Okay, I see healing taking place all across the building. Spiritual dehydration in John chapter 4, verse 14. This is Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, right? He's evangelizing her. You know, he knows that she has had about four or five different husbands, I believe. Five. And then the one who she's with now is not her husband. So it's <laughs> probably number six on the way. But how many of you know that Jesus is not intimidated by our sin? He's not. Because He's victorious over it. Yes, He knows that sin is horrible and it separates us from Him, from God. But He also knows that because He rose from the dead, He has power and authority over all works of darkness. And so when we're talking to people about the gospel, we have to have faith that God knows what he's doing and that he knows how to open our mouths and say exactly what that person needs to hear. And I promise you, if you will be a man or a woman of prayer, God will prophesy through you and you may not even realize that you're being prophesied through. Right? Didn't Acts chapter 2 tell us that God would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh and that we would prophesy And what does it mean to prophesy? It means to speak under the unction, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in such a way that God says things to you that sets captives free, that brings healing, that helps open up people's minds to the reality that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is speaking to her in verse 14. He said, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them. He said, look, you can drink from Jacob's well and say, wow, this well is so old. At that time, it could have been maybe about 2,000 years old. And here's Jacob's well, and, and a Samaritan woman is drinking from it as she probably did every day of her life. And and Jesus made it clear that if you drink from this well, you are going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. You don't have to be spiritually dehydrated. That's why the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now there's two types of water that Jesus talks about. He talks about the fountain of living water. And is a fountain, does it move anywhere or does it stay in one place? Stays in one place. So he's saying that when you get born again, you will have an established fountain of living water that will take place in your life when you're born again. If you are not born again, I don't care if you attend church, whether it be an evangelical, a Pentecostal, charismatic, or whatever type of church you want to call it. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He wasn't saying you got to join a church network called the born-agains. He was saying it's about being spiritually born from above. Something that takes place on the inside of you that literally changes you from the inside out. See, just going to a church where people are passionately worshiping God and you feel the emotion of the music and the worship and all these things does not mean that someone is born again. Steve Hill, the evangelist of the Brownsville Revival, used to say this almost nightly. Do you wake up in the morning with Jesus on your lips? Do you go throughout the day with Jesus on your heart? Do you live, breathe, eat, sleep, and drink Jesus? Is He your everything? Because my friend, that fountain of living water, when it's flowing in your life, you will never have to be spiritually dehydrated again. He will quench your thirst. He will satisfy your deepest need for God. There's also a river that Jesus talks about at the end of the book of Luke. He said, this river is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this river comes from you. Out of your belly shall what? Flow rivers of living water. So when we're born again, it's like a fountain. But then when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are clothed with power from on high. The word for power, you will receive power, right? Acts 1.8, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That word power in the Greek is dunamis. And this word means to be clothed with power. So the disciples were already born again because Jesus rose from the dead. And they put their faith in him. And now because he has risen, they can be forgiven. So no doubt they were born again. The fountain of living water was flowing in them. But Jesus said, you must go to Jerusalem. You must be in that upper room when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. Because what will happen in you is that I will pour so much water into your fountain that it will begin to flow from you as a river. And this river will go and bring life. As Ezekiel tells us, the river of God, everywhere it flows, it brings life. And friend, I don't want a baptism of the Holy Spirit that just comes to my ankles. Or just comes to my knees. Or comes to my waist. I want the fire of God. I want the river of God that flows over my head and takes me away in the current of the Lord. Amen. That's what Jesus is trying to tell this woman. He's not just interested in us being born again. He's interested in us being passionate lovers of His heart. Staying spiritually hydrated all the days of our lives. And everywhere we go, we're bringing the water, the river of God, the flow. The presence of God. Amen. Let me explain to you what dehydration is. Well, dehydration occurs when you use... Or lose more fluid than you take in. And your body doesn't have enough water and other fluids to carry out its normal functions. If you don't replace lost fluids, you will get dehydrated. Organ failure could take place. I think I've heard people say that we're something like 70% water. I don't know how they get that figure, but we're a high percentage made up of water. (laughs) That's why when we die and, you know, all of that liquid goes out of our bodies, we turn back to the dust that God created us from. It's supernatural. Do you realize that you were not created in the image of a monkey? You were created not just from some other form or created thing. You were created by the Creator Himself who said, I will form you in my image, in my likeness. I will form you and bring life on the inside of you that you will be my ambassadors. You will be my lifeguards. (laughs) You will be those who represent me to the nations and to your neighbors. You know, a lot of people want to, like, how many of you guys play basketball? Yeah? Okay. I know Alberto's tried to play, you know, but every time we played, he seemed, you know, he just seemed to keep losing. And And it's okay, I understand, you know. Well, I, you know, maybe we could do a basketball camp together, bro, you know. No, I'm joking. I'm kidding. No, I like to play. And I play about three days a week, and I have been losing some of the Rice Miller ministry because of that. But when you play, if I play at night, I don't really have a problem with being dehydrated because it's cooler. But if I play in the morning, like sometimes Chris and I have been playing at 8 a.m. with other pastors in Davao City, that when I play and I go home, if I don't have something called electrolytes, no matter how much water I drink, I'm not going to be totally hydrated. And so I'll get a headache. And I have found that, yes, Gatorade can help, but it's not good for you because it has so much sugar in it. But there's something called buco juice. Mm. I love buco juice. In fact, these guys used to call me the buco monster. I, I do, I love buco juice. So I will go and get fresh buco juice afterwards and drink it. And normally if I'm having enough buco juice, no problem. I, I get so hydrated, right? That's why, the, see there were two trees in the garden, right? There was a coconut tree that God said, yeah, go ahead and drink from this. Go ahead and, and, and build your house from it, right? You know, find shade underneath it. it. It's so healthy and so good for you. And then there was this other tree. It had, it had spikes all over it. It says, don't touch me, I'm dangerous. And then when they opened it up, this smell came into the world called Sin. The durian (laughs) tree. Ah, I know you like it. It's okay. God will forgive you. Now, I know, I know I'm outnumbered here, okay? So, Lord, just take me now, okay? (laughs) But it's really amazing how in such a hot climate, you're right next to the equator, right? It never snows here. We have... People say, how many seasons do you have? I say, hot, hotter, hottest, and a place that the devil lives. (laughs) It gets so hot sometimes. I'm from upstate New York. I'm used to snow. Chris, we're used to snow that in the middle of the night, it could snow and you come outside and you can't go anywhere because there's so much snow. And it's cold. Let me tell you, I've been here for 21 years in the Philippines now. I don't want to go back to the cold. But I know that in the wisdom of God, He created coconut trees which are so abundant everywhere. Everywhere you drive, you see coconut trees, right? And these trees have this water to keep us hydrated. What am I saying? I'm saying that when the fountain of living water is taking place on the inside of you, you don't realize how much and how powerful the river of God is around you. And it's so easy to get spiritually dehydrated when we take our eyes off of the provision that only comes from the Lord. Sometimes Christians are so busy... And so focused in ministry that we do not realize how spiritually dehydrated we have become. We give out more than we take in. You know, the Lord has always used my wife, Casey, who sends her regards to all of you today. We've been married for 27 years and, you know, we have five children and we're just so thankful for that. But he's always used my wife as an example of the church. When we used to have our struggles and fighting in our marriage early on, the Lord told me one day, he said, Eric, you have a great love for my bride, my church, and for revival. But if you don't learn how to love the woman that I've put in front of you, you'll never have the affections that I have for my bride. Right? And so it really helped me to watch and look at my wife's life and understand the church. Recently, Casey, in the middle of the night, was not feeling well. And I was out. Everybody was sleeping. It was early, early morning, probably like 2 a.m., somewhere around there she got up in the middle of the night to go get a drink of water and she didn't realize how dehydrated it is. And if you know anything, my wife, she, she's really into nutrition, healthy eating, she takes care of herself, she exercises regularly, uh, she talks about those things a lot. And so she normally really doesn't get sick, ever. Very rarely. But this day she did, for whatever reason, and she was so dehydrated in the middle of the night that she fainted and hit her head on the tile and nobody else was awake and she laid there for quite some time and then got up kinda fainted and struggled to get back to the room and I had no idea I was sleeping and so she came back and then told me about it and I'm like in the name of Jesus I rebuke you (laughs) I mean but you know sometimes We try to rebuke the devil for something that we have self-inflicted. Now, I'm not blaming my wife for being dehydrated, but hear what I'm saying. Sometimes the attacks that come to our life is because we're spiritually dehydrated trying to face an enemy that we can only beat when we're hydrated. Amen? Because, remember... You might be 20 years old, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. However, you know, my grandmother, I just found out yesterday, my grandmother who lives in upstate New York, she, she passed away yesterday. And she's 92 years old. I absolutely adored and loved my grandmother. And it was kind of a surprise as death always is. And I will not be able to go to the funeral because we are mile, 8,000 miles away. And it's just too expensive to travel. And as much as I'd love to be with my family and comfort each other and all those things, the reality here is that the Lord has called us here. And it's, it's sometimes, you know, when things like this happen to you in your life and you go, Lord, where are you? Well, he's never left you or forsaken you if you know the word of God. But sometimes we hurt Sometimes we struggle, sometimes we go through challenges that are unexpected, and if we're not staying spiritually hydrated, we're not going to respond the way that God wants us to. You know, so many people react to God instead of responding to God. They react and say, why did you let this happen? Whereas if I'm walking with God, we respond and we say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Regardless, I have lots of questions like you do. But my friend, spiritual maturity doesn't just come from more head knowledge. Spiritual maturity comes from a daily walk with the Lord. Where you're saying, hydrate me Jesus. I don't want to, we should never be thirsty again. He's the one that satisfies us but just like every day you and I have to drink water if we don't drink water we die something like after three days of no water it, it gets very very dangerous but if you if you are without water for a period of time you know you start reacting to things and and you're not living the way that god wants you to in the spirit but you start living in the flesh and we point the finger at god and we say where are you don't you care why did you let that happen friend i want to tell you our perspective changes when you're living in the current of the river of god I don't want to ever, ever, ever stand on the shoreline watching the river go by. I want to be right in the middle of that river flowing with it for the rest of my life. Because see, there was a time in my life when I was, I heard the gospel when I was 14 in upstate New York, about an hour north of New York City. We had a Presbyterian pastor who was baptized in the Holy Spirit knocking the door of our house every week for one year. He introduced my whole family to Jesus. And at the same time I started going to church, I started looking at pornography. And this began to rule and enslave my life. I was absolutely addicted. I could not turn away from it. I dated all kinds of girls and things like that. I didn't really get into drugs much or smoking or getting drunk and stuff like that, but it was this thing. And I had so much shame, condemnation and guilt in my life. And I said, I'm a Christian because I wore a Christian t-shirt or I had a, a fish on my car, right? Or, or I went to church and I was a part of the youth group and I was serving in some capacity and people liked my, personality and things like that friend that is not living in the river of God that's called religion and then here I am living a sin confess sin lifestyle up and down oh praise God I feel great I fell again and then I thought, if I enter, like there was a youth ministry job available to me in another state called Delaware, and I was invited there. They gave me an incredible salary. They paid for my housing. They paid for my car insurance. When I got married, they wanted to buy my, my wife and I a house. They, we had health insurance. We had dental insurance. I mean, there was nothing that we lacked except the presence of God. And we were constantly giving out in the ministry. Doing, doing, doing. I had 75 teenagers in my youth group. The church grew in three and a half years from 100 to 500. We would do special events outdoors where people... we First time we did a special event, we had 100 people show up. The next year, we had 10,000 people. And every year, it would go 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. To eventually, we would have 55,000 people coming to our church grounds. We bought 40 acres of land. We were planning to build a big sanctuary. And then, within one year, three different ministers in our church fell and confessed sin. We were so busy giving out that we were not taking in and I would look at people who fell in sin and I would say that's never going to happen to me because I always judge myself according to other people and not to the Lord. And if we are created in His image, if we don't spend time in His presence, we're always going to look to other people to judge ourselves how mature or how spiritual we are. When the fact of the matter is, we have to be looking in the fiery eyes of Jesus on a daily basis and receiving that spiritual hydration so we can live in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I stand up in front of a church, in front of the church in August of 1997, repenting for living a double lifestyle. I was going to Christian psychologists. I was reading books about deliverance. There were so many things that I was doing that I thought this would help, but it wasn't until I completely surrendered in August of 97. I have never been a slave to that sin again. I want to tell you, there's power in the Holy Ghost. There's power to overcome. There's power to live victorious. There's power to have an awesome wedding, uh, uh, an awesome marriage, and kids that are being raised up serving God. All of my kids, they love Jesus. My kids will pray for you. They will prophesy over you. They're so much more spiritually mature than any point that I ever was in my life at that age. And I want to let you know that God can do such a complete work in your life if you will wholly devote yourself to being hydrated in the Holy Ghost. Psalm 46. If you want to, I'm going to read. I'm actually going to read from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Okay, it takes all the meanings of the Greek words and kind of adds more to the Scripture, uh, to the meaning of the Scripture overall because sometimes it's hard to translate word for word. So it's actually from the Greek, but a lot more detail. The Amplified Bible. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable, a very present, and well-proved help in trouble. Do you know that? Do you know that God is our help, our ever-present help in times of trouble? Do you know that He promises to never leave you or forsake you? See, if we know these things, then this should be the reason why we constantly pursue His presence. I'm sure Pastor June and his wife are incredible teachers, preachers of the gospel, prayer warriors, and there's probably other leaders here that serve in this community to help you grow in revelation and wisdom and the knowledge of who Jesus is. But if you do not learn how to hear God for yourself, then what they they say to you will eventually become an echo because you will not turn into the source of where that's coming from. My friend, you've got to learn how to hear God's voice for yourself. You've got to learn how to bring Jesus with you to church. You've got to help your pastors by not expecting them to be these super spiritual heroes that are so unapproachable and unattainable. Do you know the purpose of leadership is not to become a superhero, but to equip you for ministry? You see, I I do know that some of you get that, and some of you are growing more and more in maturity, but I want to encourage you today that just because you have a ministry responsibility or something that you're involved with doesn't mean that you're maturing. In fact, it can deplete from you if you're not learning how to hear from God on your own. But see, when you have a people that are in love with the voice of God. of people that say, I don't ever want to be dehydrated again. I want to be hydrated with the water of your spirit. I want you to fill me. I want you to flow through me. My friend, it's addictive. Look, as Christians, we sometimes will get tired, but it is sin to, to, to give in to weariness. Even Jesus got tired. But he was never weary. He was never anxious. He was never stressed out. He was was never giving in to the constant temptation to give in to the flesh. He was the greatest example that we've ever had of a man who's been wholly devoted to the Lord. Verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth change And though the mountains be shaken and slip into the heart of the seas, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its roaring, look, there's a lot of shaking taking place around us. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's Ukraine, there's Israel. The world is turning more and more liberal and and away from God. They they want men to save them. They want, you know, money so that they can feel more security. My friend, I'm telling you, there's only one way this world is going to change, and that's by Jesus Christ becoming Lord. That's it. There is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name that can heal the sick, cast out devils, and raise the dead. There is no other name of of, that you can call on where provision can come, where breakthrough can come, where God can heal your marriage and your family and come and bring absolute transformation. Just the name of Jesus. There is a river. Say that with me. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. You know what this is saying? Is that in the river is the presence. In the river is the tabernacle of God. And that doesn't really make sense, right? Because God cannot be contained in buildings, right? That's why he says he doesn't dwell in temples made by men. But somehow, he says he is able to tabernacle, to make his dwelling place in the river. You see why? Because he's omnipresent. He's omniscient. That means he's everywhere and he's all-knowing. You cannot contain him. So water looks so big and vast to us and it can become rain, it can go and be evaporated, go into the ground and take on different forms like clouds and fog and different things, it could turn to ice. But listen, I want to tell you, he's not limited by any temperature. He's not limited by any climate. There's nothing that intimidates him. He is completely in control. He is never doubting. He is never afraid. He is always all powerful. And the more that you and I are convinced that we need to live in the river of God with him, we will constantly be refreshed. You don't have to backslide. You don't have to give in to the flesh. You don't have to give in to what other people give in to. I'm telling you, all things are possible for them that believe. God is in the midst of her. He's talking about the city that's in the river of God. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. I want to tell you, when you wake up in the morning, Jesus is absolutely waiting for you to seek him first. I know you're hungry. I know you want rice. I know you may even want durian, but God will renew your mind. I know you may say, oh, I need to take a bath, right? I need to brush my teeth. Okay, I get it. But listen, my friend, seek first the kingdom of heaven. I'm not saying it in some religiosity way. I'm saying this because you hunger and you thirst. And Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We want to teach you how to consistently be filled. And In the book of Ephesians, it talks about how we need to be filled with the Spirit Daily. Somebody, uh, Dwight D.L. Moody sometime, people said, commenting on that Ephesians verse, you know, why do we need to be baptized with the Spirit daily? And he said, because we leak. (laughs) Right? Look, sometimes we sin. I get it. But you know what we do? We repent quickly. Sometimes we don't understand why things are going on and how to respond to certain circumstances. And we got to search the Scriptures and surrender our heart and our will to God again and again and again. I just want to tell you that the Word of God is like water. And it refreshes us. And and, in Proverbs it says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So if you're living as a refreshed man or woman of God, you will always have something to offer those who are thirsty. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered and were moved. He raised His voice. The earth melted. Do you know that God can change everything with a snap of His finger if He wanted to? He could do anything. But He has chosen to use His church. He has chosen to use you and I to demonstrate His kingdom through. That means, though you might feel like nobody knows my name, I live way out here in Kabakan, you know, and I just got saved, and my wife and I are trying to work out our issues and things like that. Friend, what you allow God to do in your life, your marriage, your family, your work, all of these things, your ministry, I promise you, that if you will realize that He's above you and that He's watching over you and you come up to that high place with Him each and every day in a place of prayer and intimacy with God, He's going to saturate your soul with the kingdom of heaven. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, our refuge, our high tower. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations and wonders on the earth. He is a loving Savior that will one day be a severe judge. He is full of love and He is full of justice. He can't have one without the other or else He could not be a God of love and He could not be a God of justice. See, you and I are never going to figure everything out. That's why Jesus said it's the meek, the humble, who will inherit the earth. If you want to live victorious, it's not just how talented you are, or how many gifts you have, or how much experience or knowledge you have. All of that is a help and a blessing. And some of it may even be God-given. But your daily walk with Jesus is where all of the issues of life will flow out of. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow to pieces and snaps the spear in two. He burns chariots with fire. He's not intimidated by China. He's not intimidated by North Korea. (laughs) He's not intimidated by Putin. He's not intimidated by the crazy people in the White House. He's not. He knows exactly what he's doing. And look, I... Pray that we have godly politicians, amen? We are to pray for that. But if we don't, it doesn't mean that we put our tail between our legs and give up. And given the fear, given the shame, the church of Jesus Christ has the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Nobody else is higher than Him. Look at this, last two verses. Be still and know. That means to recognize and understand that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That scripture is so well known, right? We see it all the time. Maybe on a Jeep or or on someone's t-shirt or, you know, on a poster on Facebook or Instagram, things like that. Here's what I want you to understand is that God can do more with your life the more that you learn how to be still and know that He's God and you're not. The greatest revelation I've ever had is that He's God and I'm not. I am not in control. I am not good enough. I need the helper, the comforter. The Greek says the parakletos. The Holy Spirit, the great teacher. I need the one who knows me better than I know myself. I need him. How much do you need God? You see, the only way to be born again is when you see your need for God. But see, after you're born again, you have to consistently, as a man or a woman of prayer, look in the eyes of the Lord and say, I need you still. You know the old Brownsville song that Lendal Cooley wrote, who was the worship leader at the time. And when I need you more, more than yesterday, I need you more. More than words can say, I need you more than ever before. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right? More than the air I breathe. Come on. More than the song I sing. More than the next heartbeat. More than anything. And Lord, as time goes by, I'll be by your side. Because I never want to go back to my old life. I need you more. Come on. More than yesterday. I need you, Lord. Come on. More than words can say. I need you more than ever before I need you more I need you Lord Jesus I'm gonna close with this and then I'm gonna ask Chris to come in a moment Isaiah 58:11. the Lord will guide you continually He will satisfy your soul in drought. When there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of rain around you. When the church may not be as exciting as it was before. Look, there are times when we might feel that way. But no matter what is happening around us, if we're walking with Jesus, we will have our thirst quenched by Him and he will strengthen your bones. You shall be like a well-watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Jeremiah 17 verse eight, for he, that means you, shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots into the river and will not fear when the heat comes when pressure comes when hardship comes when trials come when temptations come but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit friend the only way to bear the fruit of a repentant lifestyle is to have your roots deep in the water of the kingdom of heaven the difference between a drought and dehydration is that a drought is controlled by God. Dehydration is controlled by your ability to satisfy your own thirst in the Lord. God does not expect us to change the droughts that take a place around us. He expects us to drink from the water of life that he always promises to provide us with come on up here Chris I want to ask Chris to just share this quick testimony of what the Lord spoke to him the other night and then we're gonna pray
1: so as Eric said um, I was actually supposed to be here for five weeks we were supposed to leave last Sunday I'm here with my wife and my three kids ages 16 3 and 1 um, but I contracted dengue. I was sick for like 10 days. It was absolutely terrible. Um, you know, my wife, she didn't believe I was that sick until she saw the blood work. And uh, I mean, it was bad. It was so bad. But anyway, how, ma- how many of you ever had dengue before? So, so one, of the, one of the symptoms that I got, sev- I'm talking severely, was dry mouth like it was just like cotton was in my mouth I mean I mean it was so bad and so I just kept drinking water I kept drinking water church I'm telling you every minute I had to drink water or my mouth would just go dry again every single minute so I I messaged Eric I said Eric the water's not working what do we do next coconut water try the coconut water Eric it's not working what do I do next People said, red Gatorade has to be red. Okay, Maria, please go get me the red Gatorade. Drink the red Gatorade. Maria, it's not working. I need something else. It's not working. The water, the coconut juice, the, the, the Gatorade. Church, I'm telling you, every two minutes I had to sip something where my mouth just went dry. It was terrible. And so the Lord said to me, Um, man, it's just complete divine encounters because like I said, I I wasn't even supposed to be here Friday. I wasn't even, I'm not even supposed to be here today, but thank God the Lord was able to extend our trip by two weeks, um, through Philippine Airlines, uh, because of the dengue. So I truly believe that, you know, I got dengue for a reason because the Lord's just going to speak to me and my family these next two weeks. But anyway, the Lord said to me Friday night, He says, stop taking sips of the worldly water. It will only satisfy your lips for a short period of time, and you will keep searching for more, and because of this, you will still thirst. Do not rely on the hydration of this world, as it will only keep you searching for better ways to keep your mouth from being dry. The only thing that will quench your thirst, my friends, and keep your mouth from being dry, is the living water of God, which will flow abundantly forever in you. You will not have to thirst for more, and you will not have to ever get dry mouth again. Your thirst will be quenched, and you will never have to search for another source of water again. I'm going to repeat the verse that Eric actually had started with, John 14, 4. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become a well of water springing up in eternal life. My friend, as I searched for something to quench my thirst during this dengue, I kept going to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and maybe it lasted two minutes, but it didn't last a lifetime. Maybe it lasted a uh, week, you know, ten minutes, but it didn't last a lifetime. The Lord was telling me, those new pairs of shoes, that's only going to quench your thirst for a day or two. That new car, that's only going to thir- thir- quench your thirst a day or two. That new business, that 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 money that you got, that big check that you got, that's only going to thirst your quench for a short period of time. The only thing that is going to keep your mouth and your lips wet is the living water of God.
0: Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.